0: Hello guys, uh, we are here again on uh, this, another Pioneers podcast, uh, along with uh, Manj Bar. Uh, hello Manj, welcome hey. uh, to our uh, podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. Okay guys, so Manj, uh, to present him a little bit, so uh, Manj is uh, a, a millennial, uh, as all of us uh, trying to overcome the 21st century problems and uh, to find his way on this uh, dynamic world we are living in. And uh, we are here today to speak about uh, this millennial stuff and uh, also the main uh, the main subject uh, will be about uh, NLP, linguistic Programming. <clears throat> so Marju, uh, can you present yourself to say a little things about you? Stuff like this,
1: yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I don't like the term millennial that you've used there, <laughs> and anti- <laughs> anti-millennial. But you're right. I think it's just a case of trying to find your way in a, a different environment that we now live in, where I think making money is fucking impossible <laughs> at the moment, Ooh, unless you buy Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> but I, I work as a banker, right, for okay. a unnamed US investment bank and then on the side i do some of my own little projects i write on medium which is a paid blogging platform and then i'm trying to release my own products as well create digital products and then i invest very poorly as you know in cryptocurrency and (laughs) not add that much (laughs) like since the most recent crash Okay, you
0: said that uh, making money is impossible. Uh, can you develop this this sentence? So why do you say it's impossible? Yeah, I
1: think I'm being obviously facetious, but if you think back pre two thousand and eight, you all you had to do was save your money, and you would get a return on it between five and ten percent because of the interest rates, which were yeah around that range. Now they're at what naught to one percent at the moment. So you just have to literally save the money and it would compound over time, you know, over a 10 year period. Uh, if you look now, back even back then, you could just put your money in the stock market and it just went up. And you didn't have to do anything. And so many people made millions. They could buy property because the land was a lot cheaper. And now we're priced out of all that. Even in an industry like um, investment banking where I work now, bonuses are far smaller than what they were the base salaries are on what they used to be banks aren't allowed to take as much risk so you're really living in a very different era for a young person growing up and to make the kind of money that you're to get what your parents would have got to be able to buy a house and to have savings you have to do something outside of your job you can't just carry on working nine to five and hoping things will change you need to get involved with stuff like bitcoin you need to find a way to make money online or take alternative investments okay but what i think is that uh
0: so you say that uh, in 20 uh, 2008 uh, it was easier to make uh, money than uh, today but well, also 2008 yeah yes so i i I think that the guys from uh, two thousand and eight, they also thought that in nineties or eighties you were making uh, money. Easier, uh, uh that period of time. So this the problem may be that uh, uh, the dynamics of the markets and everything is uh, is changing, and uh, we have to adapt to new new strategies and uh, new things. Maybe after ten years. Uh, or 20 years, our kids will say, uh, Okay, in my father's times, uh, it was easier to make money. You had Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin mm. is stabilized, and uh, I cannot invest anymore in Bitcoin, only taking like 5%, 10%
1: profit, not 10,000%. Uh, so yeah, we... I think, you think you're right. Yeah.
0: Yes.
1: Well, I think it's a case of what is the opportunity in your generation, <coughs> right? <laughs> Okay, so Every... what you say is to follow uh, the opportunities
0: of the generation of the
1: the times you are living in, and uh... yeah, you have to follow the money and uh, you know back then it probably was property at the time and investing in the stock market. I don't think it is now, and I think if you in ten years' time it's easy to say, but will we look back and think oh, I should have invested in some cryptocurrency? I think a lot of people will say that hence why I've done it. But it makes it a bit hard to navigate the ups and downs of that market, right? As you probably well know. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes it's a lot of emotions. Uh, there are a lot of emotions you know, in those ups and downs. You don't know whether you're right or wrong. It's not a short-term game. We missed out on the initial you know, 2013 being able to get in at the ground level. That doesn't mean you can't make money doing it. I've got 20 ethereum bitcoin xrp <laughs> bitcoin <laughs> cash all these random things i don't know if they're going to come off but i'm happy to participate i'm happy to lose 10k mm-hmm. for the opportunity to make 100 or more mm-hmm. rather than never have yes that. And yes, in yes time i missed out on it i totally agree with it, with you so the risk uh, you
0: are taking uh, it's uh, uh, smaller than the risk of not uh,
1: participating yeah, the risk Sunday of not ladies. participating is, you. Yeah, they used to say uh, Wayne Gretzky, the greatest hockey player of all time, would say, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yes, yes, uh, and yes. The, and you can't really argue with that. If you don't participate, you're not going to win. But it just means dealing with those ups and downs, as we said, and Jamie Dimon coming out and saying something in the news and the market tanking coronavirus and who knows what happens to the, the coins then you know so it's it's just a difficult emotional ride that you have to go on I suppose but it goes back to the point as you're saying like maybe 10 years ago it was easier in a different place Then in 10 years time they'll say it was easy here the biggest benefit of where we are now is the ability for any person to just start making money online like what I've done with Medium, and anyone can do. I just blog online, and I get paid around a thousand dollars a month for it. So that you are, is the benefit. Oh, oh.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we'll come to that uh, to that point, but uh, let's start uh, firstly with uh, our NLP experiences uh, because, as I know, uh, the Medium account uh, it's an outcome of, uh, of the NLP trainings you had. So let's start with the beginning and uh, speak about. Yeah. How did you find about uh, NLP and uh, what pushed you to
1: to take this journey? Sure. I, mean, I think there was two main ways that I found out a bit about it. One was the standard Tony Robbins. You know, you see a lot of his stuff online. And when you drill into, he's a, I guess you call him the self-help coach and quite a charismatic guy and, most of his material is NLP stuff. So when you drill into what he's doing, you'll naturally come across this concept of neurolinguistic programming. The other side of it is one of our friends who shall remain nameless was, got very much into reading books about picking up women. And he, <laughs> he read this book called The Game, which was a very popular book, maybe 10, 20 years ago, I want to say, written by Neil Strauss. Strauss, he's a uh, a pickup artist, as they say, and the so I read this book because I was fascinated by what you know all the ideas he was coming out with. Not that he was having any success, but, um, majority of the techniques in there were using something he called NLPs. So I started researching it more, and then you come across you know the idea of of what NLP is and how to learn it it's really geared towards personal development and trying to be the best version of yourself. And I think every millennial sort of gravitates towards that, wants something better for themselves. And that's kind of how I fell into it. I don't know, okay. how about you? How about you?
0: Uh, well, um, about me, uh, well, in twenty, let me remember, 20, 2014 something like this uh, i broke up, i broke up with uh, with one of my girlfriends so uh, I was in a, a blurry state of mind uh, a little bit sad and um, I tried to find ways of uh, improving uh, my life uh, things like this and uh, I started to discover uh, this uh personal development world. So I started to to go to events, not NLP firstly, only basic events, general events about about personal development. I was working back to Ericsson back then. So I also began to organize some events inside Ericsson. Uh, I also opened my own company with personal development, so it was a rush back then. So in two years, I got uh, so much into this uh, this uh, industry. Uh, then I started to took also NLP courses. Uh, it was not it was not something sustainable. It was something uh, like uh, a little bit of chaos, uh, tasted from uh, all kind of uh, all kind of courses trainings things like this. Yes, and I remember that in 2017 I met first with you in Madrid and uh, yeah. then uh, yes, we talk about uh, about NLP. So at that moment you already wanted to join NLP, right? And uh, you already
1: Yeah, that was pre- prior to me taking a course and so what, what eventually happened was I had taken the standard practitioner course and then I went straight on to do What they call the master practitioner. So that's about a month solid of NLP training, which I took during a sabbatical from work. So I'd taken three to four months off to Uh, do this training, yeah, Uh and and learn some more about these sorts of things and see is there enough in there for me to be able to start something. You know, as you said with yourself, you you got involved and then started your own company. I think that's a common outcome of people going on this training, to be honest. Yes, they're trying somehow to
0: demonstrate themselves that, uh, to prove themselves that uh, uh, they are
1: worth something, they can do something, they,
0: they can build something, uh, things like this, right?
1: Yeah, I think when, the, when you think about it, what is NLP? And it's quite a hard discipline, if you want to call that to describe. It's really just to do with high performance and being the best version of yourself, I would think. I don't know if agree. Uh, can you agree. Can
0: you start explaining a little bit to our listeners uh, what NLP is and uh, like a definition for all of us? I know that NLP can have uh, uh, different faces and different flavors, uh, different definitions. Uh, what is your definition about NLP?
1: For me, it's just the study of excellence. I keep it to that because there's a lot of long-winded definitions. It all boils down to being the very best and being a high performer. The reason they created NLP, this is in the 1970s, it's created by two guys, Richard Bandler and John Grinder. The reason they created it was to study high performance and see if they could model them. So you could look at a Michael Jordan and then reverse engineer. What is it about Michael Jordan That makes him incredible at what he does and is there a way for us to code what they do or what he does and assimilate that into our own physiology our own behavior our own thinking so then we can replicate some element of that performance and that goes across any any goal that you want to pursue and if you look at it like that and then it sort of broadens out into being able to control your emotional state, being able to influence others, in some regards to manipulate others, to understand yourself, to set goals that are actually achievable, to be able to make progress. It's kind of a broad-ranging topic. Uh, let's, but it not ought- use, uh,
0: let's not use manipulate. Uh, maybe persuade, uh, manipulate in a good way, because uh, on my uh, NLP courses... Uh... Uh, the teachers also said to us that we don't have to manipulate or uh, in a bad way or in
1: our self-interest. So Yeah, I, I guess you're right, but they, this is something that they said on our course. Is you say it's not manipulation, but the argument they use is when you wear deodorant or you wear um, aftershave, you're manipulating someone into thinking you smell good looking. And you don't yes. really, right? You're covering up your natural... So there is an inherent negativity associated with manipulate, so I understand that, but really what you're trying to do is influence in a positive way. Yes, yes, it's better said like
0: that. Okay, so we covered the definition about... uh... Can you tell us uh, how... uh... How were how the trainings? How they were organized and uh, the structure of the trainings and
1: how, yeah. how did you do this? O- where it was, in London? Yes, yeah, so I did with the NLP Academy in South Croydon. It's run mm-hmm. by a guy called Michael Carroll, who learned directly from John Grinder, who was one of the co-creators of NLP. So I started off with the business practitioner course, which was three sets of four days back-to-back back. and they covered a bit more focus towards business obviously it was a lot of sales techniques marketing techniques covered new code nlp which is something we can talk about as well which is a different variation compared to what most people learn and then obviously the basics of how as humans we perceive the world around us you know, the um they say the map is not the territory how we use the five senses to create our own internal maps, the way that we process others visually, auditory, um, kinesthetics, smell, taste, how we use our senses to create the way that we view the world around us, which is essentially the essence of everything that we perceive, right? Yes, you're right. That was the, um, the first course. And if I'm completely honest with you, you spend three, four days learning, but you're also practicing on other people and then they're practicing on you. Mm-hmm. So you're severely tied to the quality of person on that course. Yes, <laughs> yes get the yes, best yes, experience. Yeah. perfectly like right. You... Yeah, it's not like you get one-to-one coaching with the guy which was a bit frustrating for me you are put
0: together with a a group of uh, people and uh, you are trying to learn and also teach the others uh, based on your experience and their experience so it's something like a vicious circle or something like this
1: yeah and uh, it it requires a certain level of confidence to be able to do perform some of the techniques and you inherently doubt the other person because you know they know as much as you do even if they've just been taught 30 minutes ago you don't really feel like you're getting the most out of it unless you're in one of the demonstrations with the coach or you're, you're lucky and you've got someone who knows what they're doing mm-hmm. so that was a slight frustration and then the other frustration i had with it was the consistent upselling of other courses that you could go to <laughs> It was, it was almost like, would you like to read a book in five minutes? I will show you how. But The only established photo reading course in the UK. And then it was hypnosis. Yeah, and then uh, the master practitioner. Then even after master practitioner, it was, would you like to teach other people to teach NLP? So there is a certain element of
0: yes, some, through the door. Yeah, yes, something like never-ending trainings and uh, things like this.
1: Yeah, which is essentially how they make their money. They want you in the door, they teach you, they want you back again, back again, and then you accredit other people and then the cycle goes on. That's not to say that there isn't valuable um, teachings in the discipline. It's just to say, if anyone wants to hear this and say, should I go and learn? Yes, absolutely. But you go with your eyes wide open of exactly what you're going to get out of it and to expect these kinds of things, I would think.
0: Yeah, so uh, your training was, uh, your class was uh, most based uh,
1: on business, right? Yeah, it was most based on business. Mm -hmm. A lot to do with sales and one of the key components is building rapport with other people and understanding how they view the world, which is tremendously useful in the workplace.
0: Okay, and everybody from the class uh, had an idea what they want to do, what business they want to do, or uh, you had some exercise uh,
1: discovering this? On yeah, it was very class. interesting because, because it was a business-focused one. They've actually got a load of people on that course who, who work, for example, at Salesforce, at Microsoft, at a property company. whose primary focus was to learn selling skills or how to be better at their job. And then you had another subset of people who were there because they wanted to start their own business. And they wanted to use NLP as a way to guide them towards that, to give them the confidence, the roadmap, the blueprint, if you like. Okay, so basically,
0: basically the people
1: had already
0: had uh, an idea or a scope uh, and they came to improve uh, achieving that scope. You're there yeah. having something in mind, or you didn't have anything and you discovered there. Uh, Me person... personally, yes, yes.
1: I went in thinking I would love to be an NLP coach, uh-huh. and the, obviously the prerequisite to that would be to get the accreditation. Uh-huh. And you As still I... want to become an NLP coach, or you? Well, my view has changed now. So I've gone it's there changed. and I've now seen how that industry works, the <laughs> NLP industry, and. It's like anything, there's the good and there's the bad. There is a lot of useful information, useful techniques that can change people's lives from NLP. Mm -hmm. It does not need to be associated with that bracket, though. And you do not need to rely on that as a sole discipline or tool set for you to be able to do that. Or to take it uh, as a religion or something like this. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like you are part of the NLP cult, if you want and if you really want to be a member of that, you have to then go to the master course after you've done the practitioner. And then once you've done the master course, you'll need to go and do the trainer's trainer course. Yes. Which is then three weeks abroad, presentation skills, learning every technique inside our... And the, the question is, at what point do you think you've learned enough and what do you want to be associated with nlp do you need to be Mm -hmm. and if you look at the guys like tony robbins or some of the most successful performance coaches self-help coaches they don't really associate themselves with nlp they make themselves their brand and they say these are the tools that we use to get you to where you need to go they might reference nlp but they don't say We are an NLP company. Yes, first you you hear about Tony Robbins and then you heard that he's
0: using NLP, not uh, Vice President. Exactly.
1: The companies who are associated with NLP are the ones who train you to be able to do it. Like the NLP Academy, they will get you in as a, they'll say you're now a practitioner, you're now a master practitioner, now you can make other people an NLP practitioner. That's where they make their money. They don't make their money coaching people with real life problems so for example the guy who taught me you know i I went to him numerous times saying i've got this issue this issue this issue can i work with you what's your rate and he wouldn't do it this is the guy who's learned from the co-creator of this so-called discipline who won't do one-on-one sessions now whether that's because he's busy or because he doesn't really know how to i don't know but he sees his money as teaching people how to teach NLP, mm-hmm. which is a very so different basically, model. Basically, they want
0: to uh, they want from you to understand, uh, like in a you what it's going on, and to discover yourself, uh, what to do. Not give you the recipe uh, to follow. And
1: uh... well, it's not even that. Is it? so you touched on a good point there. Laura. The point of being a coach is not to give someone the answers it's to help (laughs) them find the right solution. Right. Yes. yes. But what I'm saying there is the guys who teach the course will teach 12 people at once, but they're not interested in working one-to-one with you. So then it goes back to being reliant on those 12 people you're doing the course with. who don't really know what they're doing. So you come out of it with some skills, some some things that you've learned, but you don't get the one-on-one kind of coaching that you would have hoped for when you pay but, a couple of k.
0: But you uh, you didn't have uh, some one-on-one sessions or just group sessions because uh, here in Romania when I did uh, when I did the NLP course. Uh, we had like for practitioners, for example, we had like uh, six modules of uh, one weekend each, uh, and also four or five one-to-one uh, one-to-one sessions with uh,
1: with a trainer. Well, that's how it should be done, and that wasn't how I had it. <laughs> oh, okay, I see. Which is uh, slightly frustrating, but I think the mm-hmm. interesting thing is you learn the techniques. The one thing I really took out of my learning from that um, course was New Code NLP, which is essentially the brainchild of John Grinder, who is one of the co-creators. In the late 80s, he revisited all the original techniques they use in NLP, simplified them, and allowed them and refined them even to for someone to be able to do them themselves without a coach. So you can self-apply the techniques without having to pay someone, without having to spend time with any um, coach that you pay and without needing any preconceived ideas or adding any content, you just find the answer yourself.
0: Yes. Okay, though, for the listeners to know, uh, can you tell us uh, how much uh, did you pay for for this course? <laughs> <laughs> like on uh, Bitcoin, for them to know uh, if they want to get into this, uh, to know how are the yeah. prices in London and everything.
1: So I think it was about for the full business practitioner. I think it was three thousand. And then a similar amount for the master practitioner, but there is a discount offered for you to do both. Okay, so three thousand uh, pounds for the practitioner and three thousand for the master. Yeah, I think I paid five thousand overall, mm-hmm. which is kind of horrifying now. <laughs> <laughs> and how
0: many how many days uh, were these uh, these modules? Practitioner twelve and each, twelve each. Uh-huh. okay, okay. And you have, uh, you had like uh, twelve uh, consecutive days, or uh,
1: like two days yes. this month, two the other months. So the business practitioner was four days a month over three mm-hmm. months. So that was a Friday to Monday, mm-hmm. and then the master was in a row. You had to take the time off. Ah, uh-huh. which was pretty it- intensive.
0: And you had a sabbatical uh, holiday all this, uh, all
1: this time between exactly, these two yeah. oh. So I was off, I was hoping to start some sort of business. I The way I thought of it was within three to four months of being off from work, I'll know what is possible for me to start mm-hmm. uh, if, if I dedicate every day to it.
0: Okay, I'm I'm very curious. Uh, after you did, uh, let's go a little bit more in details. So after uh, doing the first uh, the first module, the practitioner one, uh, how did you started to think about uh, about the idea and how you achieved the medium idea and uh, to write in there? How you came to that conclusion? Yeah, I
1: think so one of the key concepts we learned was to break things down into very small steps and just to be able to take action every day. So one of the things I thought was I've always wanted to write online. I think it's pretty obvious to anyone of our age that there's a big opportunity to make money online. So I looked at blogging websites and I tried to set my own one up and Mm -hmm. I found it a lot more difficult than I realized can't use wordpress i think wordpress is fucking impossible <laughs> and i had been burned in the past by hiring indian developers on, um, <laughs> on uh, upwork who yeah they were just honestly messed about so then i came across this website medium when the idea is if you pay 3.99 a month dollars well so yes pounds dollars um, 4.99 at the time you can just create your own profile page and you can write and it goes out to the community there. There's over 9 million subscribers at the moment. And the way it works is your subscription fee is allocated out to the people's whose article you read. Mm -hmm. So part of your $5 will go to me if you read some of my stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the more you write and the more people read, you start earning money. You build up your profile. More people read. They link back to your old articles, and then you start building up a bit of a following. And then, as of present, right, I have nearly two thousand followers on the Medium profile. I,
0: I'm I'm right now looking on your Medium. So you have 1.8k followers. Okay. Medium, almost two thousand. Yes, that's that's a lot. So, in in how much time you achieve this this number? That's been in a.
1: I would say in a year of proper writing.
0: Well, I, I see here that media members since January twenty nineteen. So
1: basically yeah. in one year you achieved two key followers. Man, Without, that's any Without, Without any promotion. Without any promotion. I haven't put anything on LinkedIn. I didn't put anything on Twitter or Facebook. So it's Most... only organic growth, this uh... pure organic growth and wow. luck.
0: Wow. So what, uh, what you did uh, to, to achieve this, Like, uh, uh, What is the secret that uh, our
1: listeners want to hear, I, I bet? I think, so I've tried to explain this to a few people. Mm-hmm. Number one is consistency, writing all the time. You've got to find uh-huh. a way to, to develop a habit, especially because this has all been done while I work, right? I came back into the office in January 2019. So this is after my sabbatical, right? Uh Um, You have to find a way. Am I going to wake up early and write? Am I going to come home and write? Am I going to spend the weekends writing? And (laughs) you don't worry about the outcome. You just find topics you want to write about and you just do it. (laughs) The The first pieces that you write are going to be shit. You just have to let go of it. You can't be perfect. You have to get over the fear of publishing and just put something out there into the world. The second point is you can always do better, but you just need to publish. You can't spend... (laughs) No matter how many times you've written and published, you will always feel like, oh, can I make this better? Should I spend some more time on it? You just have to get used to that idea of not being perfect. And then I think third is to, and it took me a while to work this out, but to write about problems that people are having having, and find ways to solve them. And, And that really means not writing about yourself necessarily. It's about finding something that people can sink their teeth into and relate to, let's say relationships, and say, here's what you're going through and here's how you can solve it, or here's what's making you feel that way. And then people start to buy into what you're writing. Then they start to read your one post. They might share it on Twitter and Facebook and get other people reading it. And then they might read your other stuff as well. And they can follow you and become essentially a fan for life. I think those are the things that have really made the difference for me. Having people share your work as well on Twitter Facebook is just, I had no idea how transformative it was and how much PR it gave me without realizing it. If someone with 5,000 followers shares your post then and 10% of them read it, you know, that's a massive uptick and that's free marketing. Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> I just did
0: a thing uh, two days ago, like uh, I was watching a podcast on uh, on Twitter. It was a podcast of uh, A. Pompliano, Anthony Pompliano, uh, who is a Bitcoin maximalist uh, in this uh, Zone on the Twitter zone. He also <clears throat> comes on TV and uh, everything like this. He has like five hundred of thousand uh, of followers on Twitter. No, no, I'm mistaken. Three hundred of thousand. Okay, and I just uh, retweeted uh, his uh, his podcast. Uh, I shared it and uh, put a comment like, "Great guys, uh, I was really hyped after uh, after your podcast." Uh And he and his uh, guest they retweeted uh, my tweet, and uh, I didn't got so much uh, likes, like thirty five. But given the fact that I have only twenty seven followers, on- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was more than uh, the number of my followers on Twitter. So yes, yeah. yes, this is free, free marketing and uh, free advertising. But as you said, uh, you have to stick with uh, writing, or, or with posting, and um, things, I guess, will come. It's
1: so hard; it's just unbelievably difficult to write a post, and it's hard to appreciate until you've actually tried to do. But it. But when you when you get
0: something like this, when you uh, when you hit a jackpot, let's say like this. Uh, then you are a, you are hyped, and
1: uh, it's more easier after that to, to write it's okay yeah, it's, it's I think the, the way I think of it uh, I have a friend who's just started writing as well <laughs> The first dollar you make <laughs> from anything that you've done outside of your job
0: your
1: uh-huh. first dollar you make online is just Your orgasmic moment, right? That's when it becomes real. That's when it's Mm -hmm. I can do this. I've made a dollar. Bitcoin counts. Bitcoin counts. (laughs) But then you better, better don't play this game. It's all, it's all not real until I cash out. Because Uh then, when you're losing, it's real as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But it's just the idea that you can, from your computer anywhere in the world, you can write something on a blog. And be paid for it. And the most incredible thing that I've noticed is I don't write as frequently as I want to. I made around, last month was $1,500. And I wrote one piece. I can't the, reason, if... the reason for that is because all the other posts are still getting read. So every new post you read, and you write even, someone might pick that out. They're then going to go back and follow your other stuff. And then the more content you produce, this self-perpetuating cycle of, you know, I read, I read more. Yeah. And it just goes around in a circle. And that every time someone does that, they're literally paying you on that site. So and, and then you write more creative articles. You link back to other things that you've written. You've said, yeah, I've written about this in more detail here. You can then analyze which are your most popular posts. And after a while, and this is what I'm trying to do now, is once I've built up enough content popular content is to compile it into a book that you know you can list on Amazon or your own website. And if no one buys it, fine, but the content is there.
0: Yes. Yes, that's great. <clears throat> okay so uh, basically this is uh, with a medium account that's great maybe i will i will also start uh, start <laughs> a medium account uh, soon uh, writing maybe about uh, cryptocurrencies and my experiences uh, on this market uh, for the moment uh, I'm trying to build up uh, my uh, my twitter account and uh, to post in there something about um, about cryptocurrencies. So you
1: don't, have a, you don't have a blog, you only
0: have uh, this medium, right?
1: At the moment, yes. I'm building a blog at, in the, um, on my side. I've got someone working on the website at the moment because, as I said, the intention is to be able to sell products. Yes, right? yes, 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 yes. And this is what I found with the medium is so incredible, as I was just saying, is you're making money in your sleep, right? I can wake up every day. I can check my account and say, this is how much I earned last night. Now, I'm only earning 20 to $25 on average, right, a day, sometimes 50 But that's happening without me doing anything. There's an initial upfront piece of work, which takes the effort. You put the effort in there, and then it reaps rewards for a long time. And that's what, you, what I'm really aiming for with the products that I'm creating, is the digital ones can I create courses? Can I create eBooks? Can I offer coaching services? Whatever it is that then make, you know, take that to the next level almost. Then you have multiple sources of income. You've got your main job, you've got your medium account, you've got the products that sell on your website. That's the way you get to the the kind of financial goals that you want. Going back to 10 years ago, was this possible? Not in the same way. and Maybe this is, you know, the advantage of being a millennial in this day and age, right? Fine, interest rates aren't what it was. Fine, it's not as easy to make money in the stock market, but this could be the way for us. Yes.
0: Okay, so my my opinion is that uh, you can be called uh, successful in this uh, in this business, let's say, of uh, self content and uh, publishing, when you have uh, the whole package. So you have a uh, big media account, a big Twitter account, uh, your blog where you are posting uh, stuff and maybe also some merchandise on uh, on the blog uh, when you have maybe your podcast. So uh, I guess that you have to, in order to be fully successful, to have a whole package of, uh, of them, right?
1: Yeah, I think yeah, you've made me realize even just during this podcast, it's the role of social media—it just can't be understated. And you only have—I don't know if you have watched. Or I doubt you watched. You ever heard of Love Island, right? Oh uh, no, no, I didn't. It's a program in the UK, right? And they just stick a bunch of good-looking men and women in a villa for twelve months—or twelve months or twelve weeks—and how is it they... called? Love Island. Love Island. Ah, oh, I think i something uh... heard the Okay, tell me. So if you go on that show? You become basically a millionaire overnight because yeah. I think I lost you. Can you can you repeat please? Yeah, sorry. Um so if you go on that show mm-hmm. you basically become a millionaire overnight because you gather with I want to say, like, 10 the minimum you need to get on there mm-hmm. is 10,000 followers, I think. Um, but when you leave that show, you have 100,000, 500,000 followers. And then that's it. You don't need to do anything. Brands come to you and say, all, all we need yes. you to do is yes. to post yes. a picture of our stuff, right? Exactly. They will pay you to do that because you're, you don't realize how much of a marketing effect you have. And that's the key to building up a strong social media profile is it hits so many people. It's literally for free. Uh, sorry to interrupt.
0: When you try to find uh, a product to, or a service to, to do something, you thought also about uh, being an Instagram model and uh, making uh, <laughs> an Instagram account.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could not do that, I don't think. I have enough problems posting my own stuff on my own because <laughs> you have to get over people reading it and being like, "Oh, what is this guy saying?" If I could do, it, I think someone like you could do well, that. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I have a. <laughs> Maybe
0: you should try. Well, it. I don't want to be a model on Instagram. I prefer
1: Twitter. Well, yeah, but you—you you bring up a rather valid point. Like, it—you can pay or buy followers, right? Oh. No, <laughs> And you can get these bots that just like things. Over Depends and over again. to be true
0: followers, uh, because if you pay just to have some uh, Indian followers, I don't think it's a good thing because they are not uh, engaging in your posts and everything like this. So you can you can have. A, uh, it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter uh, the number of followers, but I think uh, the number of engagements. So when a brand comes to you, you have to give right. him a... a some um, some resume of your account or something from behind, some numbers from behind the, the account.
1: Yes, he says yes, some ah, analytics. analytics. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I need to look at because I haven't posted anything really on my um, accounts. So I don't even have an Instagram anymore. But I noticed that when you publish on Medium, You can go into your stats and you can see literally who has, um, or where (laughs) your article has been shared. So if I go into some of my, if I look at one of my most popular ones. So one I wrote in October has um, 36,000 likes. This, this post has made $1,800 on its own. Um, And if i look at the breakdown of the traffic source i've got 500 from facebook 140 from twitter Mm -hmm. i don't know any of these people but that that's people who've shared it and someone else has clicked Mm -hmm. onto it because of that Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. with no effort so what if you had a thousand two thousand followers on twitter and facebook you shared it out to them and then they share it out to theirs? it's that compound effect right now I feel really stupid I haven't done this. But yeah, that, that is something to start looking at for me,
0: I think. Yes, maybe when you want to share it on uh, Instagram, Facebook and everything, uh, maybe you think about uh, uh, the people you know from there, what they will think about you, blah, blah, blah. So maybe you you want only to stick on that medium and organic growth just for this, not... Well, in the future, your uh, guys who know the guys who know you, they will find out about you, but uh, not from you. So, not really mm. from
1: you. Yes.
0: okay, man, that's great about uh, this uh, medium account. Well, and. Uh, how do you plan to to keep the growth of uh, of the account, and uh, what plans for the future do you have?
1: Yes, yeah, so the main in terms of medium, I've been doing writing a lot of posts. Oh, great! So I you have uh, you yet. have
0: content uh, already prepared,
1: right? Yeah, I I usually five keep on five on the go. Oh. At any one time because it is very difficult to if you write one at a time you'll you know, you'll hit writer's block pretty quickly so i'll try to write around and you five, post uh, one a month or go how you... the goal is to post one mm-hmm. a week i'm not at one a week at the moment because it's become increasingly hard to do mm-hmm. but at least one a month i just write one on them meditation which is something that I've just started doing which I found I just thought I had to share and uh, no one gave a shit so this is part and parcel with um, blogging you don't always know what people are going to care about and then as part of that I'm trying to condense some of the content I have into one book and expand expand it out a bit more flesh it out Mm -hmm. and make that my first ebook which I think would be a great achievement writing a book, and then, as I said, building out the website a bit more, so I can have my own blog that generates traffic mm-hmm. that's not from medium. Those are the main things I'm looking at, and then, if I'm quite honest, I always have ideas while I'm sort of just you know in the shower or whatever, and yeah, you know, I've always had an idea for a workout app. I can never find something that really suits my needs, but I don't know that I can find the right developers to make it.
0: Yes, it's a little bit difficult, and we have some blocking points on the way, right? So, I think the secret of uh, the average millennial like us is to overcome those uh, bottlenecks and uh, to move on, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, not everything you're going to do is going to work. I mean, I've had losses on Bitcoin, I bought a franchise gym at one point, which I had to bail out of eventually. So there are different ideas you come in. I wanted to buy a subway at one point. It doesn't always work yes. out, but as long as you keep going and you'll, you'll eventually get there, if you keep fighting for it. You'll really test yourself and, and do it for the right reasons as well. I think part of the reason some of the other stuff hasn't worked out is because you, or I chased the money rather Mm -hmm. than, I know it's cliche, but you chase the money rather than Mm -hmm. something you really want to do. And I enjoyed writing and trying to help people. I think that's the difference of why this has been successful.
0: I want to bring in discussion something, uh, just an an experience that
1: I have and uh, maybe
0: a lot of us uh, are having this experience. Well, uh, back when I uh, did uh, my company, uh, I had like six, nine months, uh, uh, really hardcore with a lot of work. I also had a job uh, in that time. So after I uh, finished uh, these nine months of uh, investment that uh, I received and after I finished all the documents I uh, had to make, uh, I just had a period of two or three months of... Uh, I was really burned out. So uh, I just went to work, then coming home, watching some series. So it was like two or three months of uh, of recovering. Uh, there was a moment in your life when yeah. uh, you felt this, like you were burned out and uh, needed uh, some time to recover. And if yes... How did you overcome it or do you think it's a good uh, uh, it's a good period to rest a bit and then uh, start over?
1: What do you think about it? Yeah, yeah. Only um, recently I, I found myself strangely <laughs> drinking a lot. Um, I, I mean mm-hmm. like a lot every day, hammering gins, buying two doubles at a time. Going out with one of my friends from work, who you know, who can drink a lot of liquor, and um, and then suddenly just sort of like that was what I looked forward to the most was having a drink, and it made me feel better, made me feel creative, made me feel free of all the problems mm-hmm. or struggling at work, and then um, finally I thought, yeah, this is getting ridiculous, and um, I could feel. You know, starting to feel a bit fat, a bit weak, mentally not in a great place. So that's when, as I said, my my latest article was on meditation. That's where I found transcendental meditation. So you started. uh, I don't know if you've heard of this. Well, I
0: heard, but I don't know exactly what what it is. Can you, if we can, sum it up?
1: Yeah, it's a very simple. Twice a day, twenty minutes each. It's a mantra-based meditation. You sit comfortably in a chair, and you just repeat a mantra in your head, so silently. It's a. It. It's, it's a thing in the mantra,
0: morning. or you
1: have to find it. They so I actually went on a course, um, a four-day mm-hmm. course in London, to learn how to do this properly because I had tried it before self-teaching and it didn't quite work because i didn't know what i was doing it was for the transcendental meditation company which is global and they'll have little offices around the country etc so i went to the one in charing cross did the four days this was a couple of weeks ago and i've done twice a day since then and it's just been the most transforming thing i've ever done I cannot believe how effective it has been. I'm utterly shocked. and Because I'm a cynic, especially having done all the NLP stuff. I'm just thinking, here's another course. Here's another thing they're trying to sell you. It's just the most effective technique I've ever used to make me feel calm, stable, to get my brain working again. And there's just hundreds of research studies that validate it. And we talked about NLP earlier. There is no science in NLP It's all. Kind of like ideas based ages parts of your brain now it decreases stress, cortisol, high blood pressure, generally good for well being anxiety health like it's almost too good to be true, but it's so simple. And so effective, I don't really know what else I can say. And how how that's much time?
0: One I would recommend: how much time so do you stay on the chair and meditate?
1: Just twenty minutes twice. Twenty a day. minutes twice a day. Oh, closed eyes, repeat the mantra, and that's <laughs> it. And then some strange stuff happens when you do that. Like after twelve minutes of that, I mean, I I, I haven't taken many drugs, but. it's similar to a hallucinating experience I start seeing colours, I start seeing images and I'm seeing them not with my eyes, with some other eye, you know how you sort of visualise something in your head and it's not in front of you, it's in your head in your mental mind and then that becomes a bit clearer and I start having random memories that I've forgotten about people that I've not thought about in years it's a very interesting experience Wow. And you feel very calm at the end of it. Having done this for two weeks, my level of stress has decreased massively. And I think my brain is coming back online. Like I really felt my brain was shutting down before. I was always stressed. I was forgetting people's names. I couldn't process information. I felt like I was really losing it, which is why I turned to this. And now all of that is gone.
0: Can You started, uh, you are still drinking or started the sober period?
1: Uh, it's not sober. I still have one or two, like but nowhere near as much. I was literally before, if I went mm-hmm. to the bar, I would get two at a time, two doubles. Mm-hmm. And so I went out to queue again. I went to a wine bar on Thursday. I had two drinks. I had a few glasses on Friday, nothing, nowhere near where I was. And I felt happy. No sadness, no depression. Yes, man, I, I, I really know what you are talking
0: about because, uh, like, um... In October, last year, 2019, I found myself in the same uh, situation, like uh, coming home from work, uh, having uh, two or three beers in order to relax a bit after uh, the whole day. Mm. And I found myself drinking like five five or six times per week. So maybe only one or two days uh, without alcohol. So I decided to, to stop it and... Uh, to have a break, so I had like uh, I am still having that break. I just drank uh, last week uh, like two glasses of wine, but uh, that was all in these past four months, but it is not all, so uh, my problem didn't disappear the with this, uh, I find myself only uh, more focused and uh, more sharp on uh, work, on meetings, stuff like this. But I think I also need uh, this uh, this meditation stuff you are thinking about because I found myself sometimes in uh, really stressful uh, uh, situations, especially at work. Uh, maybe uh, anxiety turns
1: on and things like this.
0: So maybe I should uh, I should try this, uh, these things you are saying.
1: It's well worth it. It's just one of those things that given the number of sleazy salespeople out there and the number of techniques that are off. Yeah, if you can Google anything now. So I think people are reluctant to try because they assume it's a cult. They think it's something like Scientology. It could be NLP, etc. I went in there with that mindset and the first thing they said to me was it doesn't matter what you think, you can judge as you want, it will work because it's irrelevant of what you believe in and it's irrelevant of religion it's just a scientific process that happens in your brain What? it's just the diminished mental activity that happens when you repeat the same word which has no meaning, so it's a meaningless word, you repeat that in your head silently with eyes closed 20 minutes your brain starts calming down stress comes down cortisol reduces and you start to reactivate that front part of your brain which is responsible for executive function processing of information your intelligence emotional control you know, preventing relapses going for the alcohol etc all those things that you think are normal in other people and you seem to struggle with yourself It's really all caused by stress, and this is one of the best ways to reduce it.
0: Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, this anxiety that uh, overcomes our uh, millennial generation. So, what do you think about uh, this anxiety and uh, how we can uh, overcome it? What is caused about? What causes it? Like stress or uh, this? uh, money pursue that we are having uh, day by day or freedom or what do you think
1: about uh, this basically? I think really two things, stress yes but also the majority of people I know have a real lack of self esteem
0: uh-huh.
1: and I think that comes from not knowing who they are and what they want to pursue in life so yeah, especially with a really good point with working in banking you see a lot of people who are there because of the money and that's not necessarily a bad thing you 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 want to do well for yourself and especially now when it's so expensive to live and to buy a house etc you almost need to make some sort of sacrifice in that regard but what we find is if you take you know my friendship circle we've been at the bank for seven years up into a certain point, more money doesn't do it for you. So if I pick an arbitrary number, let's say 60,000. Beyond that point, 65,000, 70,000, 80,000 doesn't really make a material difference in your life. Yes, yes. But you still want it because other people are on it. Yes. So you get to 80,000 or whatever, and you see the guy next to you is on 100,000. And you're like, well, that's unacceptable. I need that. I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to ask for 100000 If they don't give it to me, I'm going to go get an offer from somewhere else who does. And then you leave your job and then you go somewhere else where you don't like the job and you're still miserable. And then it's a repeating cycle of, right, like, now I need a hundred and ten. Or I'm going to upgrade my lifestyle to accommodate this new money. You never get to the root cause of why you have an issue, which is you don't have purpose. You don't know why you are here and you don't enjoy what you do. Yes. And I think that's the overall most important reason why so many people of our age have anxiety and struggle because they're either on two sides of the camp. They're either in that side where they have money but don't pursue what they love or they're in the other side where they're trying to pursue what they love, but they have anxiety. They can't pay their bills. Their parents are on their case because they don't have a job or their Mm -hmm. parents are on their case because they don't make enough money. So it's but
0: what about uh, all these uh, actors and prog uh, stars and uh, everything that they have everything in the world uh, uh, women, money you call it and uh, they mm. they have a lot of them they have anxiety and uh, sometimes unfortunately they choose to, to make suicide and things like this uh, there a problem? What, what causes it? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I... Well, I think it's not too dissimilar to what I was just saying. But I think we can look at a few different concepts that come in. I think one of the big things that I've noticed, so you can say you don't pursue what you love, but let's say the actor has done that, right? And they we use an actor. They've made a career out of something that they are really passionate about but they're still miserable. I think the other things you can look at, so many of us don't stop and realize where we've got to, right? You don't stop and smell the roses. And it's one of those things where you reach the goal and it's kind of underwhelming. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm here now. Oh, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And you never take the time to think, oh, I I traveled from Mm -hmm. another country. I set up in the UK. I got my first job stacking shelves and then i i got here and then i earned this promotion there and you look at the journey and the wins that you've had between now and then and you become grateful for that journey right Mm -hmm. rather than the destination because the destination is largely irrelevant it's everything that you do in between i think sometimes people neglect that i think there's a general just neglection of balance You know, you become obsessed with making money or your career and then your relationships fall apart. So I think there has got to be a big part of why so many famous people struggle, right? They don't necessarily have great relationships with their families. They don't know who they can trust, who their friends are. Do they have time to unwind? I was watching something with a famous wrestler today and he was just saying how he can't walk into Starbucks without someone asking for his autograph for a picture. And he can't walk in the street. So that will play a, a significant part in someone's mental health. They're not able to ever detach from that stardom that they've achieved, right? So it's harder for them to have balance in their lives. I think that those are probably the main things that I could think of. It's hard for, you know, so many of us don't really have sympathy for people like that because you think they've got everything they've ever wanted. But there really is an element of internal validation that so many people struggle with because they don't know what they want they don't know who they are and they don't have balance in their lives they might be rich but they don't have a happy loving family or they might be happy in their family's lives but struggling to to reach the goals they set for themselves it's a very individual thing be interesting to hear what you think because your experience as an nlp coach yes Man, you really hype me on this
0: uh, on this podcast. So uh, I guess uh, I am sure that our listeners also will be will be hyped <laughs> about this uh, this areas. I really feel better after <laughs> uh, this hour of uh, speaking. Okay, so oh, on no last yeah, note. Uh, uh, what can you what can you tell to our listeners? What uh, should they do? Should pursue on on life and uh, how to how to stop a little bit on this uh, money making uh, ideology and uh, this capitalism uh,
1: problems that we are having day by day. Mm. I think the most important thing anyone can do is to work out what their core values are. About... Uh-huh. And once you've done that your core values once you know who what it is that comprises you what you really care about in any situation that could be health relationships career finances what what is it that you care about most in those and there are different techniques that you can do that and you can read about them on medium.com forward slash manjbara (laughs) but um once you know those those are the things that with every decision you make in those areas, be it health, career, finances, whatever, you adhere to those values because then you're being true to yourself. You have integrity, mm-hmm. self esteem, self worth. It's when you go against those values, you know, you chase money when you don't really, it's not the most important thing to you. Let's say the most important thing to you is being innovative, pushing boundaries, or and helping other people. Just chasing the money will never get there you need to go to the lowest level of your value where you really originate from and until you do that and work out what that is for you then you're going to be going in circles then you're throwing darts at a board with a blindfold on yes you're perfectly in my opinion right.
0: yes okay Waj, well, I really thank you about uh, having on uh, my podcast um, I hope we'll see again on on a future one, speaking maybe about another topic. I think this topic was great. And uh, I hope uh, all of us will find uh, our way in this uh, dynamic world we are living in.
1: Ah, Thank you for having me. And... uh... Yes. Also, if
0: you can tell uh, the listeners uh, where they can find you, if you can spell uh, your uh, medium and uh,
1: Twitter account. Yeah, it's just at Manjbara. That's M-A-N-J-B-A-H-R-A. Great Twitter and medium.
0: But I will also try to write write in the description
1: of uh, of the podcast to write
0: uh, your account. Thank you. Okay, much so thank you again and uh, I wish you a good uh, Sunday
1: afternoon in London. Thank you. Ciao. Okay, my friend, thank you very much.